your home of the pins and the best pins coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Former pirate pitcher Esteban Loiza is now a drug kingpin. Or at least he was until he got arrested in California after getting pulled over for driving a car with, quote, a sophisticated aftermarket compartment used to contain contraband. He was driving the Millennium Falcon, kids. Later, a search of his residence yielded 44 pounds of narcotics, reportedly coke, heroin, or both. That net worth was $500,000. But 44 pounds... That's like half a Connor Sherry in Coke right there. Half a Sherry barrel, as the kids say on the street. Wow, I knew the pirates were cheap, but I just didn't know they paid their guys so little they had to resort to a life of drug smuggling. I'm Tim Benson for Mark Madden today. You'll hear from Mark in just a little bit. Jonathan Bambouli and Mike Lang join us during the show, too, as we talk lots of pens, uh, which we'll do in just a little bit. Sidney Crosby getting his 400th goal. We're going to talk about that at great length. But just to be clear for a minute, Loiza made $40 million in baseball, and he was still running drugs anyway. What's his life story going to be entitled? Breaking ball instead of breaking bad? In the opening storyboard credits, will there be an element with E and L? Do those exist? Will they like fade together in the opening credits? Did he use PNC Park as his own personal Los Polos Hermanos? Or was it maybe that self-car wash on McKnight Road, perhaps? Was a second pirate parrot helping him run drugs like that appropriately named Kevin Koch did back in the mid-80s? Did Cam Bonifay throw in a sample bag when the pirates sold him off for Warren Morris and Todd Van Poppel back in 1998? These are answers I need to know. Really good news, though, for the Pirates. Uh, Elias Diaz's mother was found healthy and in one piece, so that's a relief for sure. Happiness extended to the Diaz family. Unlike the Pirates organization over the past few years, thank God the negotiators actually did hold out for the best possible return. Now, unfortunately, poor Mrs. Diaz has to go back to watching her son catch what's left of the Pirates' pitching staff. Hasn't she suffered enough, Bino? Now, to the best of my knowledge, no Penguins are drug dealers. Like, does Ole Mata strike you as the kind of guy who's running 44 pounds of coke out of Finland? Yeah, me either. I didn't think so. So, I don't think any of Loise's personal stash found its way to the Pirates post the Penguins postgame celebration for Sid's 400th goal. Although, I was getting ready to turn to a life of crime if it took getting Crosby that goal. I would have killed somebody just to get his goal drought ended and he could finally score. Ten games, goalless in a row. Until he got number 400 yesterday, then he scored two. One on Jake Allen from the Blues, and then another in the empty net. I asked this question of Mark Madden during our Trib Live podcast, and I'll ask it of you. You're going to hear Mark's response in a second, but I will pose it to you and give you my answer as well. What could it ever take for Sidney Crosby to pass Muriel Lemieux in the eyes of Penguins fans in terms of greatness? Do you, would you, allow yourself to ever acknowledge Sidney Crosby being better than Mario Lemieux at hockey. Not the extra stuff. Not the, 
I saved the franchise stuff. Although he did kind of do that once too. But we know what Mario means to the team off the ice. I'm trying to, if possible, divorce the two. I'm trying to take that out of the equation for just a minute. On the ice, I'm talking about strictly. Could Sidney Crosby ever, ever be deemed good enough to pass Mario Lemieux in terms of greatness? Is it too much heresy to even suggest that could happen? Would we ever allow ourselves to believe that? Like, we never thought we'd say that Michael Jordan was the best basketball player ever or Tom Brady was the best quarterback ever, but they became those things in our lifetime. We say now, almost collectively, dismissively, that Sidney Crosby could never match Lemieux on the ice in terms of accomplishment in the eyes of his own fan base, let alone internationally. I say right now, I can't picture what it would take, but I'm willing to consider the prospect much more than most. Could Crosby ever catch Mario's legend in this town? And if he is to do it, what would it take? I want to hear what you think at 412-333-9939. Like I said, I may allow myself to get there one day. I don't see it happening, but I think I would be closer to allowing that to happen than most. Here's what it would take for me. For me. If Sid were to get two more cups, one more con Smythe, 600 goals, 1,500 points, given the difference in era and how the game is played statistically, that's what it would take for me in terms of statistical accomplishment for Sid to get there. If that was Sidney Crosby's resume, what would then be five cups, three Conn Smythes, but minus about 200 points and 90 goals? That would be enough for me. 412-333-9939. So that would be, if we do the math here, rough numbers, six more 30 goal seasons, if you were to get 30 this year, five more 90 point seasons, neither of which are all that different from Sid's usual annual totals. And that would then get him to 19 years in the league, whereas Mario played 16. That's not out of the realm of possibility. And those are disgustingly sick individual numbers for Sid to get. Now, you might think that the stats don't matter. You might suggest that when you get to that level of degree, that the team accomplishments shouldn't weigh that heavily into the analysis because then you're suggesting that Sid just played with more good teams than Mario ever did. And you would be right by that point because I've already committed the heresy of saying that the Crosby-era Penguins have passed the Mario-era Penguins in terms of accomplishment. In fact, I started to make that argument even before they won the Cup last year and then they did it and to me it's now open and shut some still want to disagree with me on that but again that's not in terms of talent that's in terms of accomplishment but there could be sort of the eye test thing to all of this could Sid ever be as talented in your eyes as opposed to what Mario could and in that case if you're just going to do that if you're going to go with the nuance if you're going to go with the non-specific then the answer is always going to be no because Sid's never going to be six foot four, 
and have that kind of power and have that kind of shot and do what Mario did on the power play. That's just never going to happen between now and the next six seasons. So if you're talking about aesthetics, then Sid's never going to win this argument. That's sort of what Mark said when I posted it to him on our Trib Live podcast. Honestly, Tim, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can craft the top three, uh, my all-time top NHL three anyway, of Lemieux or Gretzky. I just think those guys are above and beyond. I do think Sid is arguably number four, five, or six of all time right now. But with hockey being so different, there's no way for him to explode for the stats necessary to climb anywhere close to Lemieux in terms of per-game production. And no way to match the memories, the explosiveness, the highlight real stuff that, you know, Mario compiled when he was the, you know, six foot four shake and bake guy, uh, you know, before he had the back problems, before he became more of a thinking man's player and a pure finisher, uh, of course. But uh, I, I don't think it can be done. Now, there were those who would argue that if Sid won two more cups, that uh, then he would surpass Mario at some level. And I'm willing to watch Sid win two more cups, Tim, and see if what we all think at that point. But uh, I don't think Sid can catch Mary. That would be fun. Yes. Let's see him win two more cups and then revisit the discussion. And we got to acknowledge something here. If we watch Mario in the prime of his career, which by we, we, at least I'm looking at Bob across the glass right now, we did, we are getting old. Like we're starting to slide towards the end of the older demographic here. We're getting to the point now, if you know, you're know you in high school and getting into your college years, you really don't remember Mario at his prime. So the conversation I'm having right now that I have with Mark, that I'm having in my own head, that I might be having with many of you and some people on hold already, we are older people that think that Mario is idyllic in our eyes and cannot be touched because we remember him at his height and distance makes the heart grow fonder. There is definitely, and I'll get into this a little bit more when we come back, but there's sort of a Bradshaw, Roethlisberger, modern-era Steelers versus Steelers of the 70s thing going on here in this debate as well, which we will get to. But if we're to be fair, you can't have this argument without at least acknowledging or to a little bit deferring to those who saw Crosby at his height in their adolescence the way we allowed ourselves to be imprinted by Mario during our adolescence. I think that's only the fair way to go, don't you? Only one line open, so get it now. I'm going to get to the calls when we come back. 412-333-9939. I'll make the Steeler analogy to this when we come back, too, and kind of work that into the conversation. Take your calls, get your tweets as well. You can tweet me, at Tim Benz, PGH. Tim in for Mark on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Just all kinds of loose women. Women in various states of moral decay. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. The X at 105.9. From Joe, can't believe it, 20 Ks for Esteban Loiza. That's more meaningful Ks that he had during his whole baseball career. Also, it was pointed out to me that Esteban Loiza couldn't have used Los Polos Humanos as PNC Park or vice versa, because PNC Park wasn't built yet. It was still Three Rivers Stadium. And we all know plenty of that was slung around Three Rivers Stadium in the past. We've heard about the drug trials. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Another tweet coming from Tyler who says, uh, can the Pens win the Cup this year, as in no acquisitions at the deadline? I would say no. 
Both the previous Cup teams needed to lean on call-ups and mid-season acquisitions. Hainsey, Daly, Schultz, Haglin, guys like that were acquired along the way. Those teams were better and still needed help. This one, I think, needs it more. You can tweet me as well, at Tim Benz PGH. If you're just tuning in, with Sid scoring his 400th goal, uh, I broached the topic of what it would ever take, if possible, if anything, for Sidney Crosby to pass Mario Lemieux in terms of greatness within the eyes of our beholders here in Pittsburgh. Could it ever get to the point where we considered Sid a better hockey player than Mario Lemieux? Not legend because of what Mario did franchise-wise to keep the team here, just hockey player. Could that ever come to pass? And I gave you some statistical numbers that he'd probably need to get to for that to happen. At least one more Conn Smythe, probably two more Cups, and... Over 600 goals and 1,500 points, which would get him to about 36 and three more seasons than Mario in terms of him hitting his average. And that's a big ask. And if you look at the number disparity in terms of what it's like to score nowadays versus when Mario was scoring, uh, longevity is going to have to help there, but I think it would be okay based on how different the game is now versus what it was then. Goalies, equipment, Blocking on the power play, shot blocking on the power play, etc. 412-333-9939. And there is a Steeler tie-in here. It's sort of like, you know, Bradshaw and Ben, right? There's that additional 10 years of a gap that I sort of alluded to in the previous segment. Like, you know, Bradshaw started his Super Bowl run with the Steelers in 74. Mario came along in, what, 84 with the Penguins. That additional 10 years, if you think about it, that's why you find a lot more people now being more willing to say that Ben is a better quarterback than Bradshaw was because that many more people don't remember Bradshaw at his height. Tack on another 10 years from now, at least five more years if Sid is still playing, you might have more of that effect with current, more modern Penguin fans that were even further removed from Mario's prime and now have the idyllic impression of what Sid always was before they even really embraced hockey as a sport when they were big enough kids to understand it, you're going to get more people that would come over to the Sidney Crosby side of the fence. It would take some doing. Might not ever happen for me or anybody like me who's like, what, 35 or older? But 35 or younger? 30 or younger? Yeah, maybe. Let's get to the phones. Let's get to Bill. He's been holding on the longest. Hi, Bill. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the whole thing with him. I have to have at least one or two more cups and probably 600 goals at least for him to just measure up to Mario. But in the eyes of a Pittsburgh fan, I don't think he'll ever surpass him. As in Mario is more of like a legend or a superhero status in the eye of Pittsburgh fans. Yeah, and I think, like I said before, a lot of that has to do with aesthetics. A lot of that has to do with going back and looking at the film. And that's another difference between this argument and, say, the Steeler argument. There's just more tape there's more readily available viewing of Mario in his prime than there was Terry Bradshaw. I mean, you saw all the Super Bowl highlights over and over again, courtesy of NFL Films, and if you really want to research it, you could, but there's just more tape from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s for Mario fans to watch and compare to Sid. And Sid so many times has scored unbelievable dynamic goals that are of a hustle quality, you know, diving and putting a puck in, um, you know, getting knocked down and still managing to poke a puck past a goaltender, uh, bank shots, weird angles, things of that sort. But the swooping and the power and the breaking through two defensive players like Mario did over and over again, 
Not only is Sid just physically not capable of doing that because he's not as big, and maybe doesn't have the stride length that Mario did, but also the game doesn't allow for that much freewheeling like it did. And, you know, the shot on the power play is another thing that comes into play as well if you're going to compare and contrast. Mark calling from Illinois. Hi, Mark. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. How are you doing today? Good. Personally, statistically wise, Mario is better than Sid, but as an all-around hockey player, I think Sid surpassed Mario in greatness by leading the Penguins to a Stanley, to three Stanley Cups in a shorter period of time. So you think he surpassed him already? What's that? You, you think he surpassed him already because of the team accomplishment? Yes, most definitely. He did it in a shorter period of time. And, yes, Mario had back-to-back Stanley Cups, but you also had names on the team with Mario, such as Kevin Stevens, uh, Murphy, Tom Brasso, and Tom Brasso was a lot more of a goaltender as well than, in my, in my opinion, Mark Andre Fleury was. Oh, I don't know about that. I think Fleury was the best goalie in Penguin history. And I know going back to see what Brasso did with lesser padding, and as we talked about before, a more open style of hockey back then, you could counter that argument. But Flurry over the years, and we'll see, maybe it'll be further proven in his absence if he continues to do great things with Las Vegas. I think Flurry, for me, is the best goaltender in Pittsburgh Penguins history. And you know what? The Matt Murray kid ain't so bad either, seeing as how he's won two cups with him. You know, the Penguins have been a really loaded team in the expansion era, the watered-down expansion era. You talk about caked, laden, talented teams for an extended period of time. Uh, maybe it was never, you know, having Murphy and Tockett and Mullen and Recky and Stevens as quote-unquote support players, but it's tough to find a more talented team over the years when you've had Kessel and Malkin and Latang and Gonchar and the two goalies that we talked about. Guys of that ilk, that's really good in the expansion era. So I really think that you're parsing there. I think you're splitting hairs there if you're trying to determination if, if you're trying to use the argument of there was more talent with Mario's teams, so I'm going to subtract points from Mario. Uh, you're really parsing there if you're going to use that as points in favor of Crosby in terms of the debate. I think the bigger debate is how much do you put an onus on the cups? How much do you put an onus on the team accomplishments? And that's where if Sig gets one or two more before he retires, whereas Lemieux didn't have that opportunity as much after, say, 1996 in that Panther season, the table is still set more for Sid to get one or two more before things are done here in Pittsburgh. Lemieux didn't have that later in his career after, like I said, 96 or so. And Yager was even gone by 2001, after the 2001 season. 412 333 9939. Tweet me at Tim Benz, PGH. We'll talk about this and the current state of affairs with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We talk to Jonathan Bombouli from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. That's next. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden here on 1059 The X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 1059 The X. Penguins will look for the equalizer here off the offensive zone. Draws controlled along the far wall by Mata into the far corner. Crosby working on Shen there. Now Crosby comes out along the goal line. Pumps one towards the net. Is it in? It is! And there it is! Sidney Crosby! A milestone marker in St. Louis! His 
100th career goal has tied this game early in the second. That's how it sounded right here on the X. Sidney Crosby with goal number 400. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden today. You're going to hear it from Mark later on in the program in the 5 o'clock hour. We've been talking about that accomplishment for Sid and the Penguins in general for the better part of this show so far. Joining us right now to talk about that some more, my colleague from the Tribune Review. He covers the Pens. It's Jonathan Bambouli. Jonathan, thanks for taking some time. How are you? Yeah, good. How you doing, Tim? So here is the question that I posed to the listening audience today, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Sidney Crosby now up to 400 goals. Uh, if he hits his averages for the next six years, if you were to play six more seasons, that would give him roughly 1,500 points and 600 goals, thereabouts. Is there ever, will the dawn ever come up on a day where Pittsburgh could say that Sidney Crosby was better on ice-wise than Mario Lemieux, or will that never happen? Um, I mean, I could construct a definition for better on ice um, under which you could say right now Sidney Crosby, you know, is a better player. In terms of a, a 200-foot, you know, two-way, every-zone game, um, Crosby's defensive play, you know, given how much he scores, I mean, you're, you're looking at one of the greatest all-around players to ever play the game, maybe the greatest all-around player to ever play the game. Um, so you could, if you took a very narrow definition, maybe you could do that. But just in terms of who was the greater hockey player, no, I don't think I don't think Sid will ever touch Mario. I mean, part of it is is you know off the ice stuff too, where it's just you know I mean Mario's an icon. He's a, he's he's so synonymous with the franchise. Is there another person in the world more synonymous with a sports franchise than Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins? That's an impossible hill to climb in like a big picture sense. The only guy I could say, the only guy that leaps to mind when you say that is Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess. I was thinking Elway and the Broncos, maybe. There might be another one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but they're really, you know, I, I'll put Mary. Jordan and the Bulls? Yeah, Jordan and the Bulls, although he owns a different team, which kind of complicates things. That's true, right. <laughs> Mario didn't go out and buy the Atlanta Thrashers, just as a free <laughs> That would be weird. Um, no, the reason I brought up Jonathan was just because you know, the eras are so different. And, and one thing that struck me, and I want to see if you, you agree with this premise too, is that you know we're getting older. Uh, there are still lots of young people out there that love the Penguins that don't have the vivid memories of Mario at his greatness that we do. And maybe I'm being preemptive in this conversation because it's not out of the realm of possibility to hit those numbers that I just put out there for Sid to do before he retires. And there might be a, a generation gap by that point that has seen Sid throughout his entire greatness and just uh, doesn't remember Mario the way maybe you and I do. Sure, that's possible. And, I mean, another variable is rings. I mean, you know, Sid gets one more, two more, get up to five championships compared to two championships. That might be a compelling argument. I mean, you know, obviously it's hard to win a Stanley Cup. It's harder to win win it two years in a row. Um, But I, I guess it's, you know what, Tim, it's probably our job to make sure that that generation does understand what Mario was all about. It's funny. I was, I was talking to another reporter the other day and um, when Carl Hagelin scored the three-on-four shorthanded goal, and he said, who do you think leads the Penguins in all-time three-on-four shorthanded goals? He was joking, you know, because it's like a weird thing that never happens. And I was like, I don't know, but probably Mario, because he leads them in everything. Um, and so, yes, it's, it should be on a mission to make sure everybody knows that. 
Jonathan Bamboli from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review joining us. Let's get to the state of the Penguins right now, Jonathan. In the midst of this conversation, I was asked an interesting question by a listener on Twitter. Pretty simple question. As currently constructed, if they weren't to make any moves, could this Penguin team win another cup this year? And I think that answer is no, because they've needed guys that they've acquired midseason, or at the very least called up midseason. And uh, I don't see this team, since it's not as good as the past two in my eyes, being able to do that unless they get some help between now and the trade deadline. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of lot of, lot to unpack in that. Um, the first thing is is that I mean this team since January first is probably as good as as some you know variations over the last couple of years. I mean they're they're twelve four and one since January first. They've been scoring a ton of goals. If that continues throughout February and into March, and it becomes a thing where they've been doing it for half the season you're going to have a little bit of a different opinion, but that's going to come after the trade deadline. So you know, that, that sort of muddies the waters a little bit. Um, I think this team as currently constructed um, could compete for a championship without a ma- like without major moves. Like, I don't, I don't think there were some, some moments in December where I thought they're going to have to move out three or four roster players, get a couple of impact players in here. The last month and a half has shown me that I don't think that's that's the case. In fact, I think if I were Jim Rutherford, I'd be real careful not to mess with what they got going on right now. I would want to strategically add, uh, which is what he did last year, you know, which is really what he did the year before. I mean, that's that's sort of been the mo with this team: is strategically add. Um, so, especially at the center spot, um, I think Riley Shane's been really good. But you're looking at Carter Rowney, and then if something, but and Carter Rowney, you know, does what he does, kills, kills penalties and these sorts of things. If he gets hurt, you know, you're talking about JSD and then people that have Teddy Bluger's never played in an NHL game. You got to get at least some depth at center. But beyond that, I don't think you need much more. I mean, you, you know, obviously you can be on the lookout um, for a winger and a guy like Michael Grabner gets my attention personally just because he doesn't make a lot of money. You could work him into your roster without, you know, uh, messing with the team too much. Uh, but beyond that, a couple pieces. I think that's all they need. What about the conversation surrounding Broussard? And I don't know if you saw the story that came out today, Jonathan, that the asking price might be somewhere in the neighborhood of a first-rounder, a prospect, and some other third component. That sounds like a lot to me for Derek Broussard. Yeah, I mean, look, if, you, if the idea is you want your third center to be as good as most other teams' second-line centers, um, then sure, Broussard would be a target. You know, to me, it's not so much the asking price. I mean, if the Penguins could, if you could guarantee the Penguins a Stanley Cup right now, they'd give you a first-round pick and Daniel Sprong and that roster player to guarantee a cup. Sure, they would. Um, so if the player's that integral to the whole thing, you know, it's not out of the question. But to me, the problem is um, making the cap number work. You know, like I said, I, I would be hesitant to just monkey around with, I mean, you know, Derek Broussard makes $5 million bucks. So they're at a point where they have to move out almost a dollar for dollar. Not quite, but almost. Um, so you're going to move out, you know, Ian Cole and Connor Sheary to bring in Derek Broussard? Is that what you want to do? Um, you know, people talked about moving out Carl Hagelin to make cap space. He's been so awesome in the last month. You want to move him out? Um, I don't. I think that's so, just people who got used to criticizing him over the first couple months. Sure, yeah, he was terrible. There's no question about that. But to me... Um, I'm just, I'm very hesitant about messing with a team that's 12 4 and 1 since January 1st. Add where you can, absolutely. Uh, but fundamentally, messing with guys that are regulars in the lineup 
it's something that it, it would scare me a little bit. Jonathan Bambouli from the Trib, my guest here. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Uh, Jonathan, when you mentioned Ian Cole there, I would like to investigate the blue line, your opinion of it, and uh, since we're talking about the additions that they could make, where we've seen them really need guys that they got along the way, it has been on defense. Like, Hainsey was much more impactful than I think we had a right to expect. Uh, they had to lean on Schultz at times. Daly uh, became much more of an important component after they got him. What's your comfort level right now with where the defense sits? Uh, the, the sort of resurgence of Ian Cole in the last couple of weeks uh, makes me a lot more comfortable with the I mean, I think his pairing with Alexiak is a really good third pair. Um, and, and, you know, the top two are, are pretty good. Um, it, the, the to me, the number one thing the defense needs is, to, is for Latang to keep rounding into form. He's been better, you know, lately than he was early in the season. Still, still some warts there, but um, if you see that that arrow pointing in that you know improving direction, that would be huge. Depth is okay. I mean, Hunwick and Ruido at seven and eight, you're probably going to need eight. Um, I could live with playing one of those guys. Um, if you're playing both those guys on your third pair, it's a little iffy. Um, but if you're playing one of them, I think you're pretty happy with that. A lefty and a righty. I think the D-depth is pretty good, really, especially with Cole playing like he is. Give me a couple thoughts, Jonathan, on where you think Matt Murray's level of play is now that he has gotten back on the rink um, in a regular rotation since his father's passing. I think his game yesterday was one of his best games. might have been his best game of the year, um, at least one of them, because that's a pretty good Blues team, and, and Tarasenko is just filthy. And he had a couple of really good chances. You know, I noticed that the, the St. Louis crowd when Tarasenko gets the puck and you see him in a position where you wouldn't think it's much of a scoring chance, they start to get excited anyway because they know he doesn't need much of a scoring chance. And and in the third period, Murray made a glove save on, on Tarasenko that was just something that really sticks out in my mind as a, a huge save. And he, like, put a little bit of flair on it, you know, put a little mustard on it at the end to, like, ex- put an exclamation point on it, like, you're not beating me today. Uh, that confidence in Murray is something we haven't seen a whole lot of this year. So... You know, since he came back from his leave of absence after his dad died, he's four zero and one. His save percentage is about nine one five, somewhere in that range in those five games. Um, his career is nine two four, so he's starting to get back to where he was. You know, I mentioned before uh, the continuing improvement of Latang is is probably the most important thing that can happen on defense. The continuing improvement of Murray is probably maybe the most important thing that can happen for the success of the team. Yeah, I'm with you. I was a little surprised to hear. I was just driving around on Saturday, and I'll probably get into this a little bit more, and hearing some criticism of Murray from callers and things of that sort. And my reaction to that was, well, you're going to see a better team play in front of him in the playoffs because they're just they have, for the last two years, played a better brand of hockey in front of their goaltender. And I think the numbers that people are pointing to throughout the course of the season uh, are not going to be reflective of what he's going to see in terms of support around him from the rest of the guys on the ice. It, it's, it's, I mean, that's the age-old thing with goaltending, is that it's completely impossible to separate the play of the goaltender from... I shouldn't say completely impossible. It's impossible to completely separate the play of the goaltender from the play of the team. They, they are going to affect each other at all times. And, you know, I mean, part of the reason that the Penguins are, are having the success since January 1st that they've had is that they've really ramped up their, their aggressiveness, especially on the forecheck, uh, the way their defensemen are jumping up into the play. And it's creating a style of play that is going to give up a few more odd man rushes than you'd like. Um, in the first half of the season, they were giving up odd man rushes because of, you know, mistakes and poor play. 
Now if they give up an odd man rush, it's sort of the necessary byproduct of aggressive offense, which I think is, is, you know, that's fine. You can live with that. That's the cost of doing business. So you're asking, you know, Murray to make a couple big saves a game. Um, and, you know, he made them in the playoffs two years in a row. Now, I don't have good reason to doubt that, that he'll do it again. Um, but, you know, until you see it, until you see him playing at a high level, it's hard to really, you know, prove anything. Finally, Jonathan, any interest at all in the hockey that's being played at the Olympics, or are you kind of tuning that out? I'm actually interested. Um, I haven't seen any of the women's yet, but um, the men's tournament, I'm interested in largely because covering the AHL for 15 years, I've seen all these guys play. Like, you know, Chris Bork is, is one of the better players on, on Team USA. And the great Thomas, Chris Bork. Yeah, exactly. And Christian Thomas is an active Wilkes-Barre player who's on T, uh, Team Canada. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of these names. I've seen a lot of these guys play, so I'm probably more interested than the average person. And the potential's there for some good stories, you know, for some underdog stories, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I'll, you know, the time change throws me off a bit. That's the one thing that yeah. makes me less likely to watch it than the caliber of play. Jonathan, thanks. We'll catch up with you when you get back to Pittsburgh. Appreciate the time. Sounds good, Tim. All right, that is Jonathan Bombouli from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Read him there. Uh, tomorrow on the Triv, We've got a hockey column going up as well that you'll find interesting, so make sure you check that out. And I have a piece on Art Rooney and his comments about the Steelers' defense that I want to get to in the second hour of the show. Give you some poll results on this Lemieux versus Crosby question that I posed. Lots of back and forth even during Jonathan's interview. I'll tell you where that stands. And the Patriots appear to be not as good at something as they used to be. They're slipping in one area. I'll tell you what that is. If you want to chime in on the conversation that we had about Mario and Sidney Crosby, you can. Once again, will he ever be able to pass on ice, in your eyes, the high level of bar that was set by Mario Lemieux? Could Sidney Crosby ever, in your eyes, be considered a better hockey player than Mario? 412-333-9939 and tell me what it would take for him to get there. We'll investigate that some more. Get that other get to those other topics as well. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Mark is out today. Tim Benz in. You're going to hear from Mark coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Thanks for listening. It's 105.9 The X, your home for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And thanks to Jonathan Bambouli for taking some time to join us the way back from St. Louis. Penn's game tomorrow against the Sens, then on Thursday against the Kings. I'll be at Buford's in for Mark on Thursday before the Kings game. I uh, want to give you an update. I said I would do this before the break. Our poll question about the Crosby 400th goal. If Crosby got to, say, 550 to 600 goals, if he got to 1,500 points, another cup, maybe two, another Con Smythe, would that be enough for you to say that his on-ice greatness exceeded Mario Lemieux? Just put this up before the Bambouli interview, already up to about 300 votes, exactly 50-50. Exactly 50-50. Uh, let's play again the clip, Bob, if you would, from Jonathan Bombouli here about his argument for Sidney Crosby. I mean, I could construct a definition for better on ice um, under which you could say right now Sidney Crosby you know, is a better player. In terms of a, a 200-foot, you know, two-way, every-zone game, um, Crosby's defensive play you know, given how much he scores, I mean, you're, you're looking at one of the greatest all-around players to ever play the game, maybe the greatest all-around player to ever play the game. Um, so you could, if you took a very narrow definition, maybe you could do that. But just in terms of who was the greater hockey player, no, I don't think, I don't think Sid will ever touch Mario. 
You know, this is closer than I thought it would be. I, I thought this would be two-thirds in favor of Mario, and Sid would be trailing mightily in this poll, but uh, I'm surprised. And maybe there is a little bit more credence to the initial observation I put out there just in terms of age that you know, the folks that remember Mario in his prime, oh, maybe they're just not on Twitter. We haven't figured out those fancy iPhones yet. 412-333-9939. Um, wanted to get this out there, too, just quickly before we get back to the phones and uh, open the 4 o'clock hour. Notice this about the Patriots over the weekend. One thing the Patriots have done really well over history is control the media message in an effort to minimize distractions. Something other teams like, you know, the Bengals, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Steelers, Seahawks have failed to do in recent years. If news got out at all about the Patriots, it usually would come out on their terms. And if it doesn't, especially nationally, the club then usually launches a local media campaign against it. Such as when Deflategate, Spygate, that ESPN story from Wickersham came out this year. But in recent weeks, that hasn't been the case. Whether it's current or former Patriots supporting Malcolm Butler in the wake of his benching, talk show comments about Tom Brady's kid from Alex Reimer, or even prank news stories getting into print, Christian Fourier, my old co-host at WEEI, making fun of Don Yee, the Patriots have been dragged into a lot of media attention, a lot of media melodrama since the Super Bowl week began, and a lot of it has originated within Boston in the first place. The Patriots organization has always had a thick wall built between itself and media chaos, but now, now, much, you know, the club's own media core has been generating this. And much like the club's defense at times this season, that wall is starting to show some cracks. We'll also talk some football and what Art Rooney had to say about the Steelers' defense coming up in 30 seconds in your calls on the Mario-Sid debate. That's on the way next in just 30 seconds. Tim Benson for Mark.